turn with me please to Matthew chapter number 11. I'm going to be speaking to you on the subject of the dungeon of discouragement. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 11. We'll be looking at the first six verses. I want to read that for you. This is what it says. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison, everybody say in the prison. When John had heard in the prison the words of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again these things which you do hear and you do see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Let's pray together. Everything else. I realize I can do absolutely nothing without you, but Lord, I'm trusting in the fact that all things are possible through you. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to take complete control of these services. I want you, Lord, to speak to me and speak through me. Lord, I want to be your mouthpiece to share your truth because I know your truth changes lives. Lord, have your way, have your will, do your work in this place, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. When I was in the fifth grade, I had a crush on the prettiest girl in my homeroom class. Um, it started the first day of school. She sat across from me. And I sat down, looked to my right, and I just knew that girl sitting beside me would one day be my girlfriend. I knew it was going to happen. I had that planned out already. Now, after a few days, I finally worked up the courage to speak to her. It took me a few days, but finally... Um, I said a little bit, and what surprised me is she talked back, <laughs> and so things were going pretty good, to say the least. I mean, at least she's talking to me, and so after I had spent some time talking to her, and I got a little bit more brave, um, I began telling her my best knock-knock jokes, and she laughed at some of them, and so I'm thinking things are going really well. I mean, we are moving this thing right along, you know, and so that was probably, I don't know, two or three weeks to a month in, and, and I'm still talking to her every morning as I get a chance in my homeroom and, and, and doing what I can to uh, make this young lady my girlfriend. So um, I started working out a strategy. What was going to be the best way for me to ask her? I mean, how was this going to all take place? And I didn't really want to uh, ask her face-to-face because that could be embarrassing for her and for me. So I thought, started thinking, well, how can I do this? What do I need to do? So I thought, man, I've got it. I know what I'll do. I'll write her a letter. So in my best fifth grade handwriting, I sat down one night in my room and wrote out the letter. And, I, and I, all I put was, will you be my girlfriend? In really big letters at the top of the page. I wanted her to see it. And then at the bottom, on the left side of the paper, I put a yes and then a box under it. And on the other side of the paper, I put a no and a box under it. I mean, no need beating around the bush. Let's get right to the point. Yes or no? Where do I stand? And so um, the next morning, I woke up and put on my best Levi's and my favorite shirt. 
and combed out the flowing locks of the Kentucky waterfall mullet that <laughs> I was trying to grow for myself. And just on a side note, this is something I never thought I'd see. If there was one fashion trend that I never thought I would see again, it was the mullet. But I'm telling you, man, we have got some young men around that are uh, rocking that mullet. And to be honest, every time I see it, it brings a little bit of a tear to my eye. I think, my goodness, that that's it, man. I see why it's back. So guys, keep rocking it, man. I'm loving it. But business in the front, party in the back all day long. I'm, I'm a mullet-loving guy. But anyway, I, I would combed out my, my Kentucky waterfall mullet, put on my best clothes, folded up that note just right. I mean, this wasn't just any letter. I folded this up like a love note ought to be folded up and put her name on the top of it. And that morning during homeroom, I was sitting beside her again, and with a trembling hand, I slid that note over onto her desk. And when I did, she smiled at me, and I thought, yes, I'm in. This is, I, it's over, you know. And so slid it over to her. We get, we was changing, that's the first year we started changing classes in middle school. And so we, we changed classes into our, uh, our, our first period uh, class that we were going to be in. And at the end of homeroom, she handed that note back to me. And I thought, man, here it is. And so with anticipation and bated breath, to say the least, man, I started to open up this note. And I got it open, and my little heart was broke because instead of checking the box on the left, she checked the box on the right and said no. And that was my first taste that I can remember of discouragement. Broke my little heart. Now, there's been a whole lot of discouraging times since then. And in this morning, I am not in any way trying to compare my fifth grade heartbreak to the things that have broken your heart because I know it don't compare. But the principles are the same. And the truth is, we all go through discouraging times. Each and every one of us. Listen. We sometimes find ourselves in the same dungeon that John the Baptist found himself in, the dungeon of discouragement, where it's that low place, that dark place that we come to when things don't work out like we think they ought to work out, like we've planned for them to work out. And it happens to all of us in every sphere of life. Sometimes it happens to us physically. Um, I was talking to a dear brother in Christ just the other day. He's been battling cancer now for about five years. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor, I want to tell you something. He said, man, I'm just tired of feeling bad. And when I looked into that brother's eyes, I could just see the heartbreak. I could, I could sense and feel the discouragement. Because of his physical problems, that brother was discouraged. He's tired of being sick. Sometimes it happens to us, we get discouraged in that dungeon because of physical problems. Sometimes it's because, you know, of, of the problems we have in relationships with maybe our family or our friends. And I think that's the worst type of discouragement because you love your family more than anyone else. Would you agree? Your family and friends mean the most to you. So when things don't work out like you want it to work out or like you've planned for it to work out, then great discouragement can, can come into your heart and into your life. Sometimes we get discouraged over our career, the job that we've chosen. 
and we think that we want to be farther along or should be farther along or had planned to be farther along than what we are and things just don't work out like we thought it ought to work out. And, and, and that can be discouraging. So in every sphere of our life, in, in ministry, I'm telling you, ministry can be discouraging. It's one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done, and I love that part of it. You know, when I see God do what only God can do. Now, let me tell you what happened right here Wednesday night. The Lord just showed up, showed out, did something that only He could do, convicted a person's heart, and somebody got saved right here after Wednesday night Bible study. Praise the Lord. I love seeing God the Holy Spirit do the work that only He can do. I love to see convict hearts and change lives. I love to see people, see people fired up about the things of God. I love to, to see people, man, uh, wanting to serve Jesus and daddies leading those families to church on Sunday morning. All of that is so encouraging. But at the same time, even though ministry is a great blessing, it can be very discouraging from time to time because I'm a right now guy. Amen? I don't want to wait. I don't like to wait. I, and when, when I've got a plan and I want to see it through, I don't want it to happen later. I want it to happen now. And, and so many times in ministry, it's hard to wait on the Lord. It's hard um, to not get discouraged, not, not only over what things, how things are going, but by how people act. <laughs> Amen? discouraging times, what I'm telling you, it comes to us all. Whether you're standing in the pulpit or sitting in the pew, we all get discouraged from time to time. We all find ourselves in that dungeon, just like John, in that low, dark place. And listen, folks, it is heartbreaking. So this morning, I want to go through this scripture, and we're going to look at another place in the Word of God. And I want to talk to you about three things. First of all, I want us to see the reason for discouragement. Then we're going to see the result of discouragement. And then we're going to see the remedy for discouragement. Number one, what is the reason for discouragement? I've already alluded to it, but I want, to see, want us to see what the Bible says right here in verse number two. And when John had heard in the prison, and again, remember where he is. Here's John the Baptist, the forerunner for Christ, the cousin of Jesus, that is now in the prison. And listen, he's in the prison not because he's done something wrong, but simply because... He's done everything right. I mean, here is a brother that has been proclaiming the Savior since he was a baby in the womb. If you want that scripture, I, I want to give it to you, brother. And you can, you can put it on the screen if you, if you don't mind. It comes from the book of Luke, chapter number 1, starting in verse number 41. The Bible says that when Mary came near unto Elizabeth, and Mary was pregnant with the Lord Jesus... Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. Both babies were in the womb. And the moment Mary came near to Elizabeth, the baby that was in Elizabeth's womb began to leap for joy. Why? He did that because he was near the Savior. That is such a great blessing to me every time I read that verse because that is biblical proof that that baby in the womb is life. Amen. Listen, listen to me. I'm so thankful that God has answered our prayer and that Roe versus Wade has been overturned this past week. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Listen, now that doesn't completely do away with the sin of abortion. But what it does do is make it a state's rights issue and it comes, listen, it is, 
uh, a great victory for the pro-life movement. No doubt about that. And so we, we praise the Lord for it. That is a prayer answered. And that's not the only time in Scripture we see proof that that baby is life in the womb. But there's many other places. But that's just one of my favorite. From the very beginning, John the Baptist, even in the womb, is proclaiming the Savior. And then you go on and you see it over and over and over again. In Matthew chapter 4, you'll find the Scripture when John the Baptist actually baptized Jesus. And after he had baptized Jesus, the Bible says that John the Baptist saw a dove descending there upon the Lord, the Holy Spirit came as a dove, or the the Holy Spirit like a dove, the Bible says, descended upon the Lord there after his baptism. What a blessing that truly was. John saw that with his own eyes. And then go over with me to the John chapter number 1, and and look what happens here. I love this verse. John chapter 1 and verse number 29. We'll start there. The Bible says, The next day, John seeing Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Look at verse 30. He, this is he whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. Now look at this verse. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a like a dove, and it abode upon him. And then he says, last verse here, number 33, And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with love, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. So what's John doing? He is doing exactly what God has purposed for him to do, which was be the forerunner of Christ. And when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. Look to him. That's what behold means. Look to him. And then we see in John chapter 3, you got to remember, John had a big following. As a matter of fact, he's baptizing hundreds, maybe thousands of people in a place called Bethbara beyond Jordan. And, and, and listen, that's about a day's journey, day, a day and a half journey from the cities out into the country to hear this brother preach. And the words got out that the word is being shared in the desert and all of these people are coming a long ways to hear John share the truth of the Word of God. He had a big following. He had several disciples. But in John chapter 3, you know what John said? He must increase and I must decrease. You know what John was saying? It's not about me, it's about Him. Can you say amen? Do you know that? Listen, folks, it's not about us, it's about Him. It's not about who I am, but who He is. It's not about what I want, but what He wants. I don't want to glorify myself. I don't want to glorify our church. I want to glorify Jesus. We must decrease. He must increase. Now, this was a perfect opportunity for John to stay in the limelight. He could have kept his following. He could have had people continue to come out of the cities to hear him preach. Yet... He said, now it's time for me to go low so that he could be honored and glorified. This brother's done everything right. He's did what God said every step of the way. At birth, 
throughout his life, and then before his death. You'll find the story also in the Gospels of how that John the Baptist stood before Herod, which was one of the most powerful men of that day. And he told Herod the relationship that he was currently in was wrong according to the Word of God. He called it sin. See, John the Baptist preached truth. He preached that sin was hot, that hell, or sin was black, hell is hot, Jesus saves, and heaven's sure for all who believes. And when he spoke that to Herod, it made Herod so mad, he put him in prison and finally beheaded him. Even at his death, even at the threat of death, he was speaking truth. So we find John sitting in the prison, not because of what he's done wrong, but because of what he's done right. And folks, I think that causes discouragement maybe more than anything else. We can all kind of deal with things not going the way it's supposed to go or we want it to go if we've made poor choices, right? If we've done things that we shouldn't do. If we went contrary to God's will, then we understand, hey, you know, that's on me. But when we've done what's right, when we've done what God said, when we've been faithful, and it don't work out, that causes discouragement greater than any other kind. And I think that's exactly where we find John the Baptist. Here he is sitting in the prison, not for what he's done wrong, but for what he's done right. Now let me say something to you, child of God. Just because you serve Jesus... Just because you're a child of God, just because you're doing what the Word of God says, that does not mean that everything's always going to be hunky-dory or hallelujah. It doesn't. Matter of fact, Jesus said right the opposite. He said, if you're serving Him, if the world hates Him, the world will hate you also. Not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. Jesus said, the servant is not greater than his master. If they've hated me, they will hate you also. If they've persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Why? Because, listen to me, folks, you are in the light of Christ, and light is, contra- is a direct contradiction to the darkness of the world. The world's always hated the light. So I'm here to tell you, Not everybody's going to be as excited about what God is doing in your life as you are. Matter of fact, people that should be excited for you, sometimes they're not. (laughs) I don't get that. But they're not. Guess what? That's okay. Jesus never said we wouldn't go through tough times in this life. Never said we wouldn't have discouraging times. But he did say he would never leave us nor forsake us no matter what situation or circumstance we find ourselves in. Truth is, everybody goes through discouraging times, believer or non-believer, Christian or non-Christian. The great truth about Christianity is that Christianity is not about the absence of problems, but it is about the addition of God's power to help us through whatever problem we face. So things are not always going to be just like you like them. And I know you understand that. I know we've all been through discouraging times. But don't allow people to dampen the fire that God has set ablaze in your heart. 
Amen? You're not living for them. They didn't die for you. They didn't save you. Keep looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Can you say amen? He that hath begun the good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6 I absolutely love that verse. What God starts, He finishes. Keep serving Him. Don't spend your time looking around. Spend your time looking up. Corey Ten Boom said something that blessed my heart. She said, if you look in, inward, you'll get depressed. If you look outward, you'll get perplexed. If you look upward, you'll get blessed. And she's right. Don't spend your time listening and looking to everybody else. Keep your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. John was discouraged, not because he was done something wrong and things didn't work out, but he did something right and things didn't work out. And sometimes we find ourselves in the same place. You need to understand that we are twice-born people in a world full of once-born people. We are born again into the family of God. And this world is not always going to understand who we are and what our purpose is. Because men have free will, because we live in an imperfect place, the truth is we're all going to face discouragement because of the actions of someone else. But don't put your eyes on them. That's what was happening with John. Sometimes that's what happens to us. But now let me give you the result of discouragement. And that's what we see in John's life right here. In Matthew chapter number 11, go back to that brother if you will please, and look down with me at verse number 2. Now watch what John says here. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now let me ask you something. When John was on the the shores of Jordan and had just baptized Jesus and saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove upon him, do you think there was any doubt in his heart and mind of who Christ was? No, of course not. When John's preaching the gospel of the kingdom and Jesus in attendance, and he says those great words, He who came after me is preferred before me because he was before me. And his shoes I'm not even worthy to unloose. Listen, the same one is going to come and baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. When he was preaching those great words, do you think John was discouraged and doubtful as to who Jesus is? Of course not. But now that he's in the prison, And he's got discouraged. The result of discouragement is doubt. Lord, are you really who you say you are? And don't, and, and, and don't, don't uh, miss this now. That gives the enemy an opening in your life to throw those fiery darts of doubt in your mind. And, and it'll go something like this. If the Lord really loved you, would he let these things happen to you? If God is able to do what He wants to do anytime He wants to do it, then why don't He fix your situation? And you'll begin rolling these questions around in your mind, and if you're not careful before long, you begin to doubt who is in His love for you. That's where John was, and that's where we sometimes find ourselves. Discouragement breeds doubt. 
Now, one thing I love about John is that he brought his doubts to the right place. He says to his disciples, listen, you go and, and, and ask him, is he the, really the Christ or do I need to be looking for another one? He brought it straight to the Lord. And this is the good news for absolutely every child of God who's been blood-bought and born again into God's family. How many of you know you can take your request straight to the top? You can take your doubts straight to the top. That's one thing I absolutely love about my relationship with Jesus. Now, folks, as a pastor, I enjoy praying with you and for you. That's one of my great privileges. And I'll always do that. Anytime you wish for me to do that. I want to do that. Again, that's a privilege for me. But I want to tell you something. For every believer, you need to understand every one of us can come boldly to the throne of grace. I can go directly into the throne room of God anytime I choose through the vehicle of prayer and say, Lord, I need you. I'm wondering about this and I'm worried about that. And God, I need to know what you want in my life. And when you get sincere with the Lord, when you get serious with Him, He'll get serious with you. Can you say amen? And He can calm our doubts. And He can cause those fears to cease. John brought it straight to the top and we should too. Look what Jesus says to him though. This is very important that we see it. Look at verse number 5. The blind received their sight. You tell John this. The blind received their sight and, and the lame uh, walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear the dead are raised. All of those things are happening in the ministry of Jesus. All of those things are taking place because Jesus is exactly who he says he is. He is the Son of God. He is God the Son. And he's doing things that only God can do. He's healing lame people. He's causing deaf people to hear, blind people to see. And watch what this last one says. And then he says, the poor, the dead are being raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. All of these things are happening. And this is proof that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, why would this be significant to John? Really, what Jesus is doing is just quoting Scripture. This is a quotation from Isaiah 35 and 5. And in Isaiah 35 and 5, you're going to see that when the Messiah comes, all of these things are going to happen. The lame is going to walk. The dead is going to rise. The blind is going to see. And the gospel is going to be preached unto the poor. And so, listen to me. Jesus, the living word, quotes the written word back to John, the forerunner of Christ, and says to him, all of these things are happening just like the Scripture says. The proof is not only in the truth in the Word of God, but it's in my life. It's, it's seen every day. Let me tell you, say something to you folks. Your doubts are calmed by the truth of the Word of God. Are you hearing me? If you're doubting the love of God, dive deep into God's book. Start with the, the book of John, which is the book of love. You'll see just how much God loves us. If you're wondering about wisdom, start in the book of Proverbs. You'll see what God's wisdom, what a difference it'll make in your life as you apply it to yourself. The Word of God 
is there for each and every one of us so that we can calm our doubts and be comforted by God's truth. Take advantage of it. Dive deep into the Word of God. If Jesus gave John the Word, don't you think we need the Word? If Jesus gave John the Word to calm his doubts, won't it do the same for us? Absolutely. Get in God's truth for you. Now, it's good to come to services like this. Amen? I'm glad you're here. Hope you come back tonight. Come back Wednesday night. We enjoy being under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God with the people of God, in the place of God, by the power of God, in the presence of God. I love that. Praise the Lord for that. But I want to tell you, you need to daily get in God's truth just you and the Lord. And I'll promise you, the answers that you're seeking for is found in God's precious truth. One of my favorite writers is a man by the name of A.W. Tozer. And he said something years ago I'll never forget. Tozer said this. He said the Bible is shallow enough for the kiddies to play in and deep enough for the greatest minds of our, in this world to drown in. And he's right. I promise you. The Bible is for everybody. Sometimes discouragement causes doubt. Let me give you another one. Sometimes discouragement causes depression. Would you agree? Anybody ever had that in your life? I mean, things didn't work out just like you think they ought to work out in, um, in your relationships, in your career, in your life in general, whatever the case may be. And if you're not dealing with that discouragement before long, you get depressed. Let me give you a definition of depression that I read just last week um, that really was eye-opening to me. And I hope it's a help for you. Depression is a listless feeling, a continual feeling of sadness. It's a constant state of hopelessness. Now, some of you may have been there. And if you have been there, you're not alone. You're not alone. As a matter of fact, depression is about a billion dollar a year industry in the United States of America. You say, brother, should a Christian be depressed? Can a Christian get depressed? Yes. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to Psalm 45, or excuse me, Psalm 42. We'll look at verse number 5. Psalm 42, verse 5. Now, this is King David speaking here. This is the man after God's own heart. This is God's chosen king of the nation of Israel. Now listen to what David says in verse 5. He says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Now, I think what David is saying is just what, like the definition that we just read. He had a listless feeling, a continual feeling of sadness, constant state of hopelessness. And, and a great way to put that, a very poetic way of putting that, is my soul is cast down. I feel like my soul is falling. Why? Art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. So let me ask you something. If the man after God's own heart can get depressed, can you get depressed? Can it happen to us? Sure it can. It does from time to time. One of the greatest men of God, 
I quoted him Wednesday night and quoted him a lot of, a lot of times is, is uh, Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon said throughout his life that he battled depression on a regular basis. One of the greatest preachers of the Word of, Word of God the world has ever known. So if you sometimes get depressed, you are not alone. It's not only happening to you. It can happen to all of us. So what are the reasons for discouragement? Well, when things don't work out like we planned for them to work out. What's the result of discouragement? It can be doubt and certainly depression. But number three, what's the remedy for discouragement? If discouragement is left unchecked and it turns to depression, the Word of God gives remedy. Now watch what it says. Three things that I want you to see. Look at, first of all, verse 5 through number 6. We've already read verse 5. Let's go on to verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I will remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill of Mizar. Deep calleth in the deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. So what's he doing? First of all, he says, I'm going to look within and see my problem. What's, what's really going on deep down on the inside of me? And, and if you see in verse number 5, he actually talks to himself. He talks to his soul. Now, anybody in here self-talkers besides me? I do it all the time. Um, my wife, a lot of times, will, will, she, she, she loves to aggravate me, but I'll be riding down the road talking about everything that I need to get talked out so that I can get it right in my mind. I'll just be not, not really out loud talking, but she sees my mouth moving. And she'll always say, what are you preaching about or what are you talking about? And, and she bought me a coffee cup just last year. It was really a great blessing to me. It said, um, it said so I'll, I talk to myself because sometimes I need expert advice. Now that I think about it, I don't know if it was a great blessing or not. I mean, she, she, anyway, though, that's the truth. I, I, I t- sometimes talk to myself. And evidently, David did. He, he speaks to his soul and he says, soul. Why are you cast down? Dr. Warren Wiersbe said about this verse, he said it's almost like David grabbed his soul up by the nap of the neck and said, what's going on here? Why are you feeling so down and out? Why are you discouraged? Why are you depressed? And I think it's important that we do the same thing. Look deep inside and see what's actually going on. Why are we feeling like we're feeling? Sometimes it's because of the loss of a loved one. Again, sometimes it causes great discouragement. Sometimes it can be because of great sin. I think that was David's problem right here. This psalm was written after his great sin with Bathsheba. And because of the sin in his life, he had great depression. He was discouraged over how things were going. We've got to look inward and realize what our problem is. But now listen to me. We've got to look upward and realize where our hope is found. Are you hearing me? That's what David did. Watch what he says in the next verse. Go on down to verse number uh, um, number 8. 
Tell the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night of his song. He shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of this oppression of the enemy? As with the sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? And so what's David saying? He said, look, I'm not just going to look inward and, and ask my soul what's going on. I'm going to look upward and pray to God that he does what only he can do in my life. He said, I'm going to keep my eyes on him. It's important to look in, but then you need to look up. Now look, listen to me now. This is the next one that I really want you to see. Then you've got to look onward. You've got to look onward. Because how do you know God's not done with you yet? God hadn't forgot about you. You've got life left to live. Don't ruin tomorrow. Because of the discouragement and depression of today. you got to look on for your hope is in Jesus. And He is eternal. He loves you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. He's always with you no matter what. Look at verse 11. As the, why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. So again, he takes his old soul up by the nap of the neck and he said, you got to get your hope right. Realize where it's at. It's not in your circumstances. It's not in your situations. It's not in people. What they say or don't say, what they do or don't do, your hope is in God. And child of God, that's where your hope lies. That's where my hope lies. So David says, I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Listen to me, folks. The remedy, the remedy for discouragement, which can lead to doubt and depression, is to focus not on your situation, your circumstances, not on people. But now listen to me. Put your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say this. Count your blessings daily. Let me give you a a great get-rich-quick scheme. Count your blessings. You just start counting your blessings, and you're going to realize real, real quick just how rich you truly are. God has blessed you immensely. And I know that to be true for everybody in this building. Let me tell you why. Everybody do this. How many of you know that was God's gift to you? And the truth is, you're not promised the next one. As long as we can still take a breath of air into our lungs, we are blessed. How many of you woke up this morning under a roof, laying on your bed in an air-conditioned house? Anybody? You're blessed. Anybody in here wake up in Children's Hospital this morning? You're blessed. Listen to me. How many of you went to your refrigerator this morning and got something out and enjoyed breakfast or made a cup of coffee? You're blessed. We've got food on our our table. We've got clothes on our back, a roof over our head. You're blessed. We've got health and, and healthy children. We're, we're blessed. 
How many of you going to go to work tomorrow? God's given you a job to provide for your family. You're blessed. We're blessed. I know we've all got problems. I know we all get discouraged. But you keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't remain in the dungeon of discouragement. Put your focus on Him. Everybody stand together, please.